says, Rinkin Church of God, thank you for your continued support of our Silas Ride, Sons of Smoke 2021. And a few months ago, on behalf of you, the church, we were able to support uh, the Sons of Smoke and uh, a local motorcycle group and a, uh, a, a thing that they do to raise money for, uh, for cancer, for childhood cancer, and we gave in your name. And so thanks, y'all, for being here this morning, and thank you for this. This is, this is awesome. Well, this morning, uh, we're beginning a new message series, as you can tell, called Stuck. And, uh, and I'm, I'm, I am really nervous. I'm, I'm rarely nervous, but I, I need to, I, my nerves need to calm down because I'm just a little afraid how that would go. But yes, I did practice that quite a bit. And uh, somebody asked me down the hallway, they said, have you ever ridden a motorcycle? I'm like, now, I'm not that crazy. <clears throat> I grew up with a dirt bike that looked pretty close to this. As a matter of fact, uh, my best friend growing up got a mini bike about fourth or fifth grade. And so I begged my parents for a, for a mini bike or a dirt bike for years. And like most parents, they were afraid to give me anything like that because they were afraid I was going to get hurt. And I guess I wore them down because the year I turned 12 on Christmas morning, I got a motorcycle. And here's the Kawasaki 80 that I got. How about that? And, uh, and, and you can tell that it was really cold. It was Christmas. It was one of the coldest Christmas we ever had in North Carolina, but it did not matter. I was on that, on that motorcycle riding it around. And you can also tell in the next picture how short I was at the time. Yeah, my feet are nowhere near the ground on that thing. So it was a miracle that I'm still here, actually, that I didn't wreck that thing. But I loved riding that bike. I rode it all the time and we were we were fortunate because right beside of the home that I grew up in where my parents still live was the family farm. My grandfather was a farmer and so uh, we had that family farm, had all that room to ride. But after I got to be about 14 or so, I think I, I kind of got bored with that area of, of riding and so I decided that I would go on some land that was not family land that I was not familiar with and I got stuck and I'm not talking about a little stuck I mean halfway the tires disappearing front and back stuck I could not get that bike out now I'll, I'll tell more about that story in a moment but just so I feel a little bit better about it, how many of you, by a show of hands, have ever gotten a truck, a motorcycle, a mini bike, anything stuck? Let me see your hands. Be honest. Okay, that's great. That's most of us today, and that makes me feel a lot better. Well, throughout this series, we'll probably tell some more stuck stories. I'm actually going to talk to the men in our small group Wednesday night and steal some of their stuck stories, probably. But uh, we're going to talk in this series about how just things in life that we face and that come in our lives can get us stuck. Anybody ever got stuck in anything other than mud? And, and we can get stuck. I, I want to tell you some of the things we're going to talk about in this series. We're going to talk about negative attitudes, how we can get stuck in thought patterns and pessimistic mindsets and complaining. Anybody ever get stuck in complaining? No, I know we don't. We're all, we're all Christians. We don't do that. How we can get stuck in personal hurt like bitterness or unforgiveness or as a result of betrayal or something like that. Sometimes we get stuck in places in life because of loss. Because we have lost a family member or there's been a tragedy in our lives and we just can't seem to move forward. And then sometimes we get stuck in doubt. We have a lack of faith. We have unanswered prayers and it just causes us to doubt our faith. And here's what I know about those stuck situations that are on the screen. I know that those up there are ones that I have dealt with, every one of them. I know that you have probably dealt with multiple ones that are on the screen before, right? And you also probably, as we're talking about this, already are thinking about somebody that you know who probably is stuck in a situation like that. Here's what I want you to do. I am praying and believing that this is going to be a transformative series. I'm praying and believing that people who have been stuck in situations, maybe of their own causing or ones that they didn't cause, that they will be free as a result of what God's going to do in this series. Anybody want to believe that with me? Now, if you know somebody who's stuck, 
Or as we go through this series, you're like, man, I know a family member, a friend, or a coworker who needs to hear this. Number one, invite them to come to church, okay? Bring them with you. Don't just invite them. Bring them with you. Say, I'm coming to your house. I'll pick you up. If that's not enough, share the live stream, share the podcast, and let them know what's going on. Now, as you can see from the screen, our subtitle of the series is Gaining Traction Through Truth and Action. Here's what I've learned as I've done a little bit of study in the last few weeks in preparing about how to get a vehicle or anything out of the mud from being stuck. In every website that I've looked at, the same word shows up on every list, and that word is traction. If you're going to get something out, you need traction. And you can use a piece of wood, you can use even a blanket or a jacket that might be in your car, you can use a floor mat, but traction helps you to get out. And so what we're going to use in this series is the combination of the truths of the Word of God, everybody say truth, Truth. and then actions, everybody say action, actions that you can put with that truth that will help you to be able to get out of whatever you're stuck in. Now, the same that is true for a bike that gets stuck is the same that's true for negative attitudes or personal hurt or loss or doubt. Sometimes we need some truth and action to get us unstuck. But today, we're going to start with a big one. Today, we're going to talk about how we get unstuck from sin. Okay? And we're going to specifically today talk about sins that snare specific sins that we can get stuck in. So let me ask you this question this morning. Can Jesus-loving, Christ-following, Christian folks still get stuck in sin? Yeah, the answer is yes, absolutely. We can still find ourselves in those places. Can Jesus-loving, Christ-following folks get stuck in their past? Like their past, anybody, your past ever come back and tap you on the shoulder and try to pull you back in that pit? Absolutely, that happens to us. So this morning, let's, let's apply some truth, and we're going to start with Hebrews chapter 12. So turn there with me this morning in Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to look at verses 1 and 2. And uh, it's going to be on the screen for you. You can turn in the YouVersion Bible app and follow along with the points and the scriptures as we go today. Hebrews chapter 12. Now, if you're following along in our Fierce 40 reading, we're going to be getting to this passage this week, okay? But let's look at it together. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Now, you do not hear the word stuck in those three verses, but you do see the principle of being stuck. Did anybody notice it? It was in verse 1 where the writer of Hebrews said, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. When I read that, I get a, I get a visual picture of being tangled up in something. Like tangled up in a vine or a rope or a cord or something. And that's what he's trying to give us a visual picture. And he's saying that we can get stuck in in a sin that, that easily will entangle us and cause us not to be able to move forward. So I, I want to I start this morning by us talking about what are some of the sins that snare what are some of the things that we can get stuck in that can, that can tangle us up? Well, let's hear what Jesus said. In Mark chapter 7, another passage that you've been reading during Fierce 40, he said this. It is what comes from where? Inside that defiles you. For from within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, 
adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things, Jesus says, comes from where? Within, right? They are what defile you. Now, in Galatians 5, Paul says something very similar. He runs another list. And this list he runs right before he runs the list of the fruit of the Spirit. Listen to what he says. He says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, when you're stuck in sin, the results are clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, and Paul says, I've already preached this to you, as I have before, that anyone, somebody say anyone, anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Scripture's pretty clear about the sins that snare, right? Do you see that? Those are sins that we can get trapped in, okay? I think about addictions like alcohol or drugs or tobacco or cigarettes. Any addiction that, that can trap us is a sin that snares. Sexual sins. And the term that Jesus and Paul used was sexual immorality. And that term is a very broad term that, that means it's, it's broad in the sense that it covers any sin, any sexual sin outside of, watch this, One man, one woman for life. The end. The end. The end. Crystal clear in Scripture. Any sin, any sexual immorality is any sin outside, any sexual sin outside of one man, one woman married for life. We could add to, I mean, I won't run through all of those, but, but they're there. But it's sins of, of lying, of our attitudes, of pride, of even spiritual laziness is a sin. Do you know there's a, there's a book in the Old Testament that is, that is just, it's a book of a cycle of sin. And this book is all about a group of people, the Hebrew people, who got in a trap. They were stuck in a cycle of sin. Anybody remember what the name of that book is? It's after the book of Joshua. It's the book of Judges. And here's a group of people who God says, here is the promised land. This is yours. Walk in. Take it. But they couldn't take it because they were in a cycle of sin. God would say, here's the blessing. And then they would sin. They would rebel. They would get themselves in a mess. They would pray and cry out to God. God would send somebody to them, a judge to redeem them. They would get out of sin. And then they'd start the whole thing over and over and over again. They were definitely stuck in sin. So, along with talking about in this series the action steps and the truth to get us unstuck, we're also going to talk about why we get stuck. Because I think it's important that we understand in the first place, how do we get there? Now, let me tell you this about my story. That day that I got my Kawasaki 80 stuck, it was very, I remember the day very well. It was a Wednesday, which at my house meant that was a church night. And I had come in that afternoon, about 13, 14 year old. And my mom said, don't be gone long and don't go far. Well, I already told you that I decided that the land I had been driving on for years was not enough. And that I would go to some land that was not ours, which meant I went Far, I went much further than I should have gone. I was on property that was not ours to ride on. I was in a place that I was not familiar with. And that afternoon, as I drove, my mom's at home. She's cooking supper. And the plan for the afternoon is ride a little bit, come home, get a shower, eat supper, go to church. Does that sound familiar for anybody who grew up in church on Wednesday nights? So anyway, I find myself a long way from home, probably about a half a mile. I mean, you know, it seems like it was a long way away, and I bury that motorcycle in the mud. And if you've ever got buried in the mud, you realize that you can't get out. I mean, now I got a lot of play, right? There was no play that day. No play that day. I was stuck. I was buried. I did everything I could to get that bike out, but it was not coming out. 
And then I realized I had to take the walk of shame to walk home, to walk in the door. And my mom probably thought, okay, he's home. He's ready to eat, get a shower, get ready to go to church. And I come in and I say, Mom, the motorcycle's stuck. Where's it stuck? A long ways away. I've got to have your help. So if you know my mom, she's short, she's skinny, she's small. And I was the same way at that time as well. So two skinny, small people grab a shovel and go out and take a half a mile walk to dig that Kawasaki 80 out. And we got it out. And mom rode on the back, back to the house with a shovel in her hand. I wish I had a picture of that. Man, I got a good mama. And I asked her the other night about it. We were visiting with them last weekend. I said, do you remember that? Do you think mama remembered that? Absolutely. She remembered details that I had forgotten. And I'm sure she wanted to take that shovel and hit me over the head with it. Uh, because, of, because of that. But in that story lies the why of how we all get stuck in sin. Watch this. First of all, I was disobedient. Mama said, don't go far, don't be gone long. And I did it. I was somewhere where I should not have been. I thought I knew better. It won't happen to me. I could avoid the pitfalls. And this isn't why I got stuck, but I was a long way from home. So watch this, okay? The reason why we get stuck in sin is the same reasons. Number one, it's on the screen because we're disobedient. I know we're not going to get any amens right there, but it's the truth. It's not because we're ignorant. We know what this says. We're just rebellious. We're going to say the rules don't apply to me, right? We, it's also location. What, what do they say in real estate? Location, location, location. So for me, the location, I'm in a place I'm not supposed to be. But the same was, is true for us. When we find ourselves in places we shouldn't be physically, we get in trouble. We find our place, uh, we, we get stuck mentally in places where we shouldn't be when our thought life goes places. We can open up our phones and our computers and go to places where we shouldn't be. Location, 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 right? And get stuck in sin. Arrogance. Well, we know better. We'll be the exception to the rule. Now, this is where I, I want to hammer on the single people a little bit. And the married people can give me a lot of good amens if you want to as we go. But listen, single people, I've seen it happen my whole life. Single people who say, single Christian people who say, you know what? I'm the exception to the rule. Even though Scripture is very clear that I should not marry or date anyone who does not know the Lord, I'm the exception. I'll, I'll be a missionary for Jesus. Give me a break. And I'll, I'll date that person and they'll become a Christian. Doesn't work that way, y'all. I've seen people who get stuck in bad marriages because they made that decision from the beginning. Okay, I get a few right there. Arrogance, and that applies to anything. Well, the rules don't apply to me. I know better. It, it just won't happen that way. How about delusion? Oh, I'm sorry, distance. Distance. See me, I was a long way away from home when I got stuck. What about Luke chapter 15? The prodigal son was where? A long way from home. And where was he stuck? He was stuck, the scripture says, with the pigs, eating the pigs' food when he came to his senses and came home. We also get stuck because we're disillusioned. We're disillusioned about our sin. It's not so bad. It's not that big of a deal. I'm not doing what other people are doing. And therein lies the problem a lot of times with sin. See, listen to me. You do not compare yourself to other people. You compare yourself to the Word. This is your standard. That's it. Because at the end of the day, I can find somebody else who's acting or living a little bit worse than I can, and then I'll feel a little bit better about myself. But other people are not my measuring stick. This is it. This is my measuring stick. Amen? Influence. We're influenced. We get stuck in sin because... We're influenced by the world around us. This is the whole problem with the book of Judges. They were given the land. They were supposed to go in and take it and dominate. But they were influenced by the cultures around them. And they became more like the culture. They, become, they, they, were, they were chameleons. They just changed color depending upon whoever they were around. And that's not how we're supposed to be. It's not what we're called to be. It's also we get stuck in sin because it's a heart issue. A heart problem. 
That's what Mark, Jesus said in Mark 7, that at the core of it, it's a heart issue. And because it, we, lo- we lose our love. We, we lose our first love. We're, we're not in love with Jesus the way that we should be. And some people get into these situations and they get stuck in sin and they think, you know, why am, why am I this way? Why can't I get out of this situation? I can't believe I'm this way. Well, I, I like what John Maxwell said. And this is pretty straightforward, but he said, I've heard people say this before. I don't know why I am this way. You are the way you are because that's the way you want to be. Y'all okay? Fred Smith, the CEO of FedEx, said it like this. If you really wanted to be any different, you would be in the process of changing right now. Let me tell you what Jesus said. In John chapter 5, he walked up to a man who had been by a pool, stuck for 38 years. And before he healed him, and you're going to hear me ask this question a lot over the next five weeks in this series. He said, do you want to get well? Therein lies a problem why a lot of people are stuck in whatever it is they're stuck in. They don't want to get well. So how do we get unstuck? Gaining traction through truth and action. In John chapter 8, Jesus gives us a verse that will help us do like what's on the screen. Put something around our wheels that will give us some traction and help us to be able to to get out. Now listen to what Jesus says in John 8. He said to the people who believed in him. And as I read this, see if you can see the truth and the action. You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Okay, so the truth part's easy. That's easy to see because that's in verse 32. It's right there. Jesus said, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Here's the word of God. It's the truth. Knowing the truth will set you free. But that's just the truth. That's not the action. Where's the action? The action's in verse 31 when he says, You are truly my disciples if you do what? Remain faithful to my teachings. There's the action. So I can know all the truth I want, but if I'm not faithful to the teachings, then I'm not going to be uh, productive and following Christ. I'm going to stay stuck. So here's what I want to do with the rest of the time we have today. I'm going to give you five truths And five actions that will help to pull you out if you're in a situation of sin, okay? That's ten, right? That sounds like a lot, but we're going to go through them quickly, okay? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Here we go. Truth number one, you are loved. We've sang about it this morning. You are loved. No matter where you are No matter where you're stuck in whatever situation in sin, recurring sin, past failures, you are loved. Forgiveness is available. The price has been paid. Look at the most famous verse in all Scripture, John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world. Where was the world when God loved it? Stuck in sin. Right? For God so loved a stuck in sin world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever... That's you and me. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. So God didn't send Jesus just to look at you stuck and say, stay stuck. You're condemned. Stay there, you low, good, good for nothing, lousy sinner. Stay stuck. That's not what he did. He said to save the world through him. If that's not enough for you, Paul says in Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his love for us that while we were still sinners, while we were stuck in sin, while we were a long ways away on somebody else's property doing something we shouldn't be doing, Christ died for us. You are loved. Number two, you are a new creation. All right, y'all listen. Get your ears on because some of you, this is your point for today. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Paul says, Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. And all this is a gift from God 
who brought us back to himself through Christ. Now listen at this. So many people find themselves stuck because they assume that their sin or their past failure is their identity. Are y'all listening and awake? This is huge right here. Okay? Because here's what people will do. The devil will tell you that your past and, or your present sin is your identity. You're just a sinner. You're just sorry. You're no good. You're just, you're, 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 you're an alcoholic. Or you're, you're, you've, you've been divorced eight times. Or whatever it is, he'll pull it out and say, that's who you are. But once you come to Christ, Paul says, no, you are a what? A new person. You're a new creation. Your identity is not in your past, but in your present. It's not in who you used to be, but who you are in Christ. Amen? Repeat after me, I am a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Galatians 2.20, this is a scripture Tressa read this morning. She had no idea that I had this in my notes. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. The old me no longer lives. I've got a new name. I've got a new identity. But Christ lives in me. I've been crucified with Christ. I don't live. Christ lives in me. I am a new creation. Somebody say that with me. I am a new creation. Truth number one, you are loved. Truth number two, you are a new creation. Now, truth number three, it's a truth. It's not quite as much good news as those two, but it's a truth you need to know, and it's this. You will fight the flesh. Just because you're saved does not mean, just because you repent and you come to the Lord, it doesn't mean you get to pack up all your fleshly desires, put it in a lockbox and never see it again. That would be real nice, right? But the Apostle Paul in Romans 7 says this, So, I find this law at work. I mean, you talk about the truth. He says, this is just the law, y'all. Although I want to do good, evil's where? Right beside me. Anybody ever feel like that? You want to do good, but there's evil. Just tapping you on the shoulder and say, hey, come on over here. And Paul says, for I, in my inner being, I delight in God's law. Man, I read the word. I come to church. I'm like, man, this feels good. This is what I want. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner. There's a stuck word. I'm a prisoner of the law of the sin at work in me. And then he says, my goodness, I'm awful. <laughs> What a wretched man I am. When I read that the other day, I was reminded of, of a lyric in a song that we sing sometimes from an, from an old classic hymn called, Come Thou Fount, Come Thou King. And there's a line in that song that says, Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. See, sometimes we fall for the lie of the enemy that the enemy says that if I'm tempted, then I'm sinning. See, being tempted is not a sin. When you're tempted, it just provides the opportunity for you to make a decision. And every time you're tempted, you have the opportunity to make the right decision just as much as you have the opportunity to make a wrong decision. There's a big difference between battling the sin nature and being stuck in recurring sin and failure. Can I remind you of what we said in the last series when we talked about Jehovah Nisi? And that's this. We fight from victory, not for victory. The victory's already been won. We fight from victory, not for victory. It's already been predetermined that we're going to win, but we're going to have to fight in the process. You may be fighting but the outcome is already determined. Amen? So you're loved. You're a new creation. You will fight the flesh. And here's another one. Here's truth number four. This is good news. God uses messed up people. And all the messed up people are like, hallelujah. Now here's the thing, y'all. I turn to Hebrews chapter 12. And the writer says, great cloud of witnesses. Because he's talking about Hebrews chapter 11. We call it the hall of faith. We call it the most famous list of people in scripture. All the Old Testament heroes and New Testament are there. And, and we're like, man, these are the people we should look to. But if the writer was being really honest, instead of calling it a great cloud of witnesses, he could call them a great group of failures. 
Man, really, Pastor? Are you going to say that about people in the Word? Listen to this. How do you know that? Well, Noah was a drunk. Abraham was old. Jacob was a cheater and a liar. Joseph was abused. Moses had a speech problem. Rahab was a prostitute. Job went bankrupt. Gideon was afraid. Samson was a womanizer. Naomi was a widow. David was a murderer. Solomon was wise, but he didn't use it. Elijah was suicidal. Jonah ran from God. Jeremiah was young. And then the New Testament doesn't get much better. John the Baptist doubted. Matthew was a tax collector. Mary Magdalene was demon-possessed. The Samaritan woman was divorced multiple times. Zacchaeus was small and money-hungry. Martha was worried about everything. Peter denied Jesus three times. The disciples fell asleep when Jesus asked them to pray with him. The man on the cross beside Jesus was a criminal. And Jesus still said, you'll be with me in paradise. And Paul, a Pharisee, was persecu persecuted Christians before becoming one. God uses messed up people. Because here's the thing, y'all. Mistakes are often our best teachers. Have you found that to be true in your life? Mistakes are often our best teachers. See, some people, listen to this, get stuck in their mistakes. But other people learn from their mistakes. Which one are you going to be? Oswald Avery says this, Whenever you fall, pick up something while you're down. Did you hear that? Is that good or what? Whenever you fall... Pick up something while you're down. We read that list of, hero, of, of heroes in Hebrews chapter 11. And here's the thing about that list. They're human just like we are. But they learned from their mistakes. And they turned from their sin. Did you hear me? They learned from their mistakes. And they turned from their sin. They don't make that list if they remain stuck in their sin. They're not the great cloud of witnesses because they're a bunch of sinners in heaven. It's because they learned and they turned. Jeannie Mayo said, failure isn't fatal unless you don't learn from it. Do you get that? Failure isn't fatal unless you don't learn from it. When we learn from our failures rather than repeat them, we'll be less likely to find ourselves stuck there again. So here we go. You are loved. You are a new creation. You will fight the flesh. God uses messed up people. And here's, I've saved the best truth for last. God's mercy is greater than your failure. Repeat after me. God's mercy is greater than my failure. Amen. For every truth we've given today, think about this. The enemy has a lie that is counterintuitive to that truth. The enemy will speak to you and make you believe that how you've been is how you're always going to be. Anybody ever hear that from the enemy? Don't even try, pal. You're stuck. This is, you're going to be stuck forever with this attitude, with this sin, with this thing. This is your Achilles. You're always going to be stuck. It's not worth trying. But God's word says God's mercy is greater than your failure. Where do you see that, Pastor? Well, I see it in Lamentations chapter 3. Tressa, again, she stole something that I was going to say. Didn't even know I was going to read this this morning. That's how the Lord works. He's, he wants us to hear it today. Because of the Lord's what? Great love, we're not consumed, for His compassions are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. You've read this proverb during Fierce 40. Proverbs 24, 16. The godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. Listen to this. Jesus is richer in kindness, grace, and mercy than you are in failure, disappointment, and sin. There's some of y'all today, you need to read that and let that sink. 
Because sometimes we, we, just, we want to talk to God about how great our sins are and how big they are and how bad they are. But you're never going to stack sins up higher than the riches, the riches of the kindness, grace, and mercy of our great God. Amen? You're loved. You're a new creation. You will fight the flesh. God uses messed up people. And God's mercy is greater than your failure. That is the truth. All right? What's the action? What do we put with that truth? Because you've just given us truth so far, Pastor. What do you want us to do with that truth to get our wheels moving and get out of whatever we're stuck in? Well, when I go back to the verse, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, let's look at it again and see if you can find the, the action in this verse. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I made it easy for you. It's underlined. You see it? There's the action. Let us what? Throw off. Do you see that? Okay, I'm tangled up. I'm stuck. But get rid of that junk. Throw it off. And let us run with perseverance. And then the next action is in the next verse where he says, Fix your eyes on Jesus. Throw it off. Run and fix your eyes on Jesus. Now I want you to hear something this morning. And this is key for every week that we're in this series. And you need to get it today and I'll probably say it every week. But get this. Truth is not the action. You must do something on your end. See we know the truths and, that, and that's half of the battle for us, we know the truth, the truth will set us free. But a lot of times, here's what happens. We, there's a misconception about it, and, and it keeps us stuck. So here's what happens. Watch this. We come forward at church. We pray. We, we ask the Lord to, to free us or get us unstuck. And we, we worship, and we read the Word, and we, we put a scripture on social media or whatever we do. And it's like we're just waiting. We're saying, okay, Holy Spirit, come and take control and make me do right. I'm taking that truth. Now just, just do it. Just do it in me. Now if that's how God works, then this is what that makes you. I've got no strings to hold me down. That makes you and I what? Puppets. Are we puppets in the hands of God? No, we're given choice. What were Adam and Eve given from the beginning? Choice. He could have made them to be puppets, and he couldn't, but he wanted a relationship. So it's the same true with us. God's not going to make us do it. Now, does the Holy Spirit help us to do it? Does he tap us on the shoulder and say, no, go, stop, whatever? Absolutely. But he does not make us do it. And therein lies the misconception sometimes because we're like, Lord, just do it in me because we're so lazy. We don't want to change anything. We just want to just do the same thing. But if I'm going to be free of something, there's something on the other side I must do. So what is the action that I've got to do to get these wheels spinning to get out of this situation? I've got to realize it's a process. There's some things that's got to happen. See, there's a difference between immediate deliverance and immediate forgiveness. When you pray and you ask God to forgive you, are you immediately forgiven? Absolutely. And sometimes people are even immediately delivered. I've heard of people who, my dad, when he got saved, he, he loved smoking cigarettes. And after he got saved, that, he, he, he never smoked another, another cigarette. But you know what that means? That means he probably went home that night and took the cigarettes and threw them away that were there. That means he didn't go hang out with people who were smoking cigarettes. There's an action behind even the deliverance that God gives us, okay? And, and we've got to do something. And sometimes we, we, we disdain the process. It's like losing weight. Remember years ago I was trying to lose weight. And, and I remember Tressa looking at me and she's saying, you do realize that you, after a week, you know, after a week we're like, what's going on? Why haven't I lost anything? And I remember Tressa saying, you do realize you didn't put it all on in a week. So it's not all going to come off in a week. So that's how we view sometimes the things that we're going through. Yes, does God immediately deliver sometimes, right? Yeah, but a lot of times what he wants to do, us to do is pick up this Bible and live this word. Man, y'all are quiet. I must be all over you or you're ready for me to be done. 
So let me finish up and give you these five action steps, okay? This is what you got to take home with you and do. Okay, here we go. Number one, this will give you traction. Confess it. If there's sin in your life, confess it. Sin means I have missed the mark. I've purposely disobeyed God. Confession means I say to God, I acknowledge that what I've done is wrong. And we said a while ago that God loves us. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just, and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Here's what I found about confession. It's very important when we confess our sins to be very specific with God and tell Him and confess a specific sin. God, just forgive me of all my sins. That's good, but that's, we need to be more specific. You know there's something powerful about praying out loud and speaking exactly what that sin is to the Lord? There's times where I've done that and I've said it out loud and I'm like, wow, that sounds really bad to say before a holy God. But it helps me to understand the importance of confessing my sins to God. Also, I need to confess my sins to others. Really? Look at James. He says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be what? Wow. Something happens when I confess my sins to brothers and sisters in the Lord. I'm what? Healed. Because then accountability comes along with that. Confess it. Number two, hate it. Don't just confess it, hate it. Now here's where we stop a lot of times, okay? If you're not mad with me yet, you will be now. Because sometimes we confess our sins only to relieve the guilt of our sins. And then we, re we repeat those sins over and over and over. And we're stuck again because we don't hate our sin. We like to cozy up with our sin. We like to be forgiven of our sin, but we don't like to be forgiven enough to change anything. See, when I hate my sin, it changes my mindset regarding to my sin. And often I stay stuck in sin because I become numb to whatever that sin is. This requires me to do some soul searching. Really? Hate sin? See, I'll stay stuck if I only mildly dislike or I'm annoyed by my sin. But look what Romans says. Romans 12, 9. Hate what is wrong. It's a strong word. Two things we should hate. Our sin and the devil. Hate what is wrong. How, how much more could you overcome your sin if you hated it? That's the reason why we, we wind up wallowing back in the mud. A lot of times because we still enjoy it. Hate. Your sin. Man, what does that look like? Look at what, look at what David said in Psalms 51. When, when Nathan the prophet came to him and called him out on his sin of adultery and murder. David said in, in, in Psalm 51, Have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is what? Always before me. Listen at this heart, y'all. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. This reveals the condition of David's heart and how he felt about his sin. He was broken, he was repentant, and he wanted to move forward. He confessed it and he hated it. Here's the third thing we got to do. We got to starve it. What happens when you starve something? Let's go back to the weight loss thing. When you starve some of those desires, you, you physically get what? Smaller. If you starve something that's living, you starve a plant long enough of, of, of water and of sunlight, it'll what? The same, what is true in the physical is true in the spiritual. If you'll starve some of that garbage you're eating... Some of that stuff you're taking in your mind and your spirit, then some of those things in your life will die. James said it like this. Submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he'll what? He'll flee. He'll take off when you resist him. But take that step. Don't, don't say, well, I'll just starve a little bit. No, starve it completely. Ephesians says don't give the devil a foothold. Don't give the devil any part of that to starve. What do you need to starve? Do you need to starve something physical that you're putting into your body? Do you need to starve something that you're looking at or something that you're listening to? Do you need to starve a person or a group of people? Sometimes we need to starve some people 
Anybody needed to get some people out of your life before who were just toxic? That's okay, y'all. It's okay to get rid of toxic people in your life. Look at this. You need to hang out with people who fit your future, not your history. Where are you going? Sometimes you just got to cut some people out of your life. This next thing goes along with what we already said this morning. But I love this quote from Lance Ingram. He says, if I'm not fighting against my flesh every day, I'm probably feeling it. Do y'all hear that? That's so good. So what do you need to starve? Confess it, hate it, starve it. And here's the fourth one, expose it. Get it out in the open. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 12. He said, there's nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight. And what you have whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be claimed in the roof. Jesus is saying, you can hide your sins and hide your sins and hide your sins. But eventually they will be exposed. Ephesians 5, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. But rather what? Expose them. So whatever your sins are, whatever it is, expose that. Proverbs 28, whoever conceals their sin does not prosper. But the one who confesses, point number one, and renounces, point number two, finds mercy. There's a power in confessing and exposing our sin. Okay? Are y'all okay? If you have secret sin... That nobody knows about but you and God. You need to get that out of the dark and into the light. Because eventually it's going to get you. Men, and I'll say women too because the number rises today with women. Pornography. If you're addicted to pornography. Well, I'm not addicted, Pastor. I look at it every now and then. No, you're looking at it. If there's pornography in your life. The only way you're going to get that out is if you expose it and you tell somebody about it. See, the devil don't want you to let anybody know about that. But pornography is killing homes and marriages and families and the next generation. And it is not fun to bring that sin out, if you, especially if you're married. Because you, you think, what is my spouse going to say? But I'll tell you what your spouse, your spouse would rather hear you tell them than something awful happen and it be exposed and then find out another way. Get that sin out in the open and let the Lord deal with it. Find a brother or a sister, somebody you trust, and talk to them about it and get accountability in your life. Not just porn, it might be alcohol, it might be drugs, it might be food, whatever your addiction is, get it in the light. You get it in the light, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be starved. Confess it, hate it, starve it, expose it. And here's the last one, overwhelm it. Overwhelm it. Overwhelm your sin or the thoughts of your past failures by overrunning them with the Word of God. Listen to me. You have weapons. Use them. Here's a weapon right here. If you're being overrun with sin, I dare you to overwhelm your sin with the word, with prayer, with worship, with fasting, with thanksgiving, with accountability. You will see that sin die and you will get out of this stuck mess that you're in. I guarantee you it'll happen. Look at what Hebrews 4.12 says. The Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. That is the Word getting in and overwhelming the sin that's inside of you. Overwhelm your sin. Look at them again. Confess it. Hate it. Starve it. Expose it. Overwhelm it. That's what we've got to do. That is the action as the worship team comes in and we get ready to close out. That's the action that you've got to put with the truth in order to get out of whatever you're stuck in. You can't just hear the truth. You've got to put something with it in order to get out. Amen? There's a story that most of us are familiar with in Matthew chapter 14. 
is the story of Peter walking on the water. And often we remember that story of Peter walking on the water. What we remember about it is the end of the story. That Peter sank. And we'll add that to Peter's multiple list of failures, right? Well, he denied Jesus and he was always putting his foot in his mouth. And Jesus called him the devil, you know, Satan get behind me. And he, and he almost drowned. But therein lies the final lesson I want you to see today. And that is that word, almost. Because watch this. Simon Peter was on top of the water more than he was under the water. You ever thought about that? So what that tells us is that we need to stand on our faith and not focus on our failures. And see, Simon Peter was headed to a place where he was going to be stuck. Where? Underwater. That's what happens when, when a person drowns. They're stuck underwater. But on his way down, you know, we say, we say the scripture says that Peter drowned. Peter started sinking because he got his eyes on what? Everything else around him, okay? He walks out. He sees Jesus. His eyes were on Jesus. He's walking on the water. And then he sees the wind and the wave. And the scripture says when he took his eyes off Jesus, that's when he began to sink. But at some point, we miss this. It's not written in Scripture. But we miss the fact that at some point, he put his eyes back on Jesus because he cries out, Lord, save me. And that's what we must walk away with this morning. If you are stuck in sin, if you're stuck in a recurring sin, if you're still stuck in a past sin, it's that first statement of saying, Lord, save me. I'm going down. I'm about to drown in this thing. And I need to apply the truth of your word and put some action with it in order to get out of this thing that I'm in. Confess it. Hate it. Starve it. Expose it. Overwhelm it. And you will get unstuck. Unstuck. From the sin that snares. Amen. Let's stand together this morning. I'm going to do this closing of the service today a little bit different. I'm going to do this based on something that I read this week something that we actually talked about in our men's small group on Wednesday night and it's found in Matthew chapter 10 Jesus said this everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth I'll also acknowledge before my Father in heaven but everyone who denies me here on earth I'll also deny before my Father in heaven I wonder if maybe we've been doing the end of the service wrong for years by this whole closure, close your eyes and bow your head. Why do we do that? This should be the safest place of our week. And if I can't step out and say in this place that I want to get unstuck, where else am I going to do it? And if I'm, if I'm here and I'm going to talk about somebody because they came to the altar, I, my rear end should have been up there before them because I got more sin than anybody else in the house. Okay, so here we go. Nobody may come up this morning. That's fine. I've, I've, I've given you the truth, and, and you've got to live it out. And I can live with that. Because I'm not the police. The Holy Spirit is the police for you. And all I can do is preach the truth. So is there anybody here in the house today who'd say, Pastor, I'm stuck. I'm stuck in a sin. I'm stuck in a recurring sin. I, I'm stuck in something from my past that keeps haunting me and coming back and I want to take a step this morning for prayer and that in that first step what you're doing saying this morning by stepping out is I'm, I'm going to get unstuck today and I'm, I'm brave enough to acknowledge publicly here on earth before men that I need Jesus Lord save me 
no heads bowed, no eyes closed. Who, who this morning, who this morning needs to get unstuck? Will you come to the altar? Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was born with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was born with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Let's sing. Oh, what a Savior. Isn't he stepped out of their seats this morning God that step that they took just a few moments ago says to you that they want to be unstuck from a, a current sin a recurring sin a, a sin from their past that just seems to overwhelm them and this morning I pray in the name of Jesus that they would experience freedom Lord may they apply the truth of your word to their lives what they've heard today and Lord, may they take the action steps necessary, God, to make the change that, God, you want to do in their hearts today. As we pray right now, and those of you who are here this morning standing here, and those of you who are out there, maybe you weren't, you weren't brave enough to step out, but you can certainly still pray right there. Will you just begin to talk to the Lord and take that first step and confess to Him whatever that sin is in your life. Be specific. Whisper it to Him right now in prayer and say, God, this is my sin. I confess this sin before You and I give it over to You today. I confess this, this sin in my life, this recurring sin. I, there's a sin in my past that just keeps coming after me. And Lord, help me to hate that sin. Lord, help me to not desire that sin anymore. God, help me to starve that sin. And even right now as you're praying, you're exposing that sin. You're already doing that. And Lord, we, ex we overwhelm that sin today with the truth of your word. We overwhelm that sin today with the fact that you love us and you have, you have forgiven us. Lord, we overwhelm that sin today with the word of God that says that if we declare that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our hearts that you raised him from the dead, that we will be saved, that we will be changed. So in the name of Jesus, Lord, every one of these men and women who are here today and those, Lord, who are listening right now, those who are going to listen to this podcast later this week, those who are in this room, God, allow us to take this truth. May we put it in action and live it out before you. We thank you for that today, and we praise you for it. Let's sing that bridge again. Oh, what a Savior. Come on, with lifted hands. Can we worship a Savior who's rescued every one of us from sin? Sing hallelujah. Christ is risen.
sinners, Jesus, you came and you died for us. God, we thank you for sending your one and only son to die in our place. We receive forgiveness today. We receive that change in our lives. And Father, we pray that the truths that we've heard today would result in action in our lives and we would gain the traction we need to be unstuck from everything that we may have walked in here with. May this word continue to speak to us and be alive in us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Do not miss this series. Be back next week. God bless you. Have a good rest of your afternoon. We'll see you Wednesday night for Family Ministries Night.